What's up, guys? There's only one place you can get a true Colorado mountain pie, and that is Bojo's. Make sure you check out Bojo's, and make sure you mention DNVR when you go to Bojo's, because they're going to hook it up with a free honey cheese bread when you do. So you're going to get a honey cheese bread, a pizza with that beautiful honey-infused crust, and then you can have some Breck brews on the side. Great way to spend an evening, so make sure you head over to Bojo's. That's B-E-A-U-J-O-S dot com. And make sure you tell him that DNVR sent you. Broncos country is sitting in the south stands, drinking the curves for mile high. The best part of the weekend, hugging the perfect stranger as they become a friend. Welcome in to the DNVR Broncos podcast presented by Strava Craft Coffee. Make sure you use that code DNVR20 when you get your delicious CBD infused, rich, tasty coffee. Well, gentlemen, it's a a little bit of an interesting morning today because out of nowhere, the Broncos have announced a press conference with one Pat Shermer. Today is the day we meet the man running the Broncos offense, sent here to help Drew Locke become the next elite quarterback. And that's going to be one hell of a job for him. Um, Zach, you speak of him like he's been sent down from the heavens or something like that. Oh, he's been sent down from New York. Some people (laughs) may call that heaven. Some people may call that the opposite. But wouldn't you say he went up because... Denver is at a considerably higher elevation. I would say he went down because he went from head coach to offensive coordinator. And he went down in uh, because New York's higher in uh, on the country. On the map? Yeah, on the map. It's, it's if more north, north is up. It's more north, yeah. <laughs> it, north has to be up, right? Yeah, Who's ever considered south up? Yeah, north is up. Australians? <laughs> what direction <laughs> is no, Austra- up? North is still up for Australians. Well, if you're pointing to the nearest pole, though, wouldn't you be, point- you'd be pointing south? There's that joke map that, like, it's the Australians' view of the world, and basically it's the world map, the uh, Mercator projection turned upside down. (laughs) (laughs) When they're on top of the world. Yeah. But then they can't can't embrace the show, um, or that Love Thunder Down Under. He embraces that he's uh, Down Uh, Under. Down Under. What is that referring to? Down Under? Yeah. Uh, The colloquial term to describe Australia being relatively low on the position on, on the map, I think. Yeah, literally. Down and also, okay. and, and it's, you know, back in 1982, 1983, Men at Work had a song that went to number one that was called Down Under. You know that? Oh, yeah. I come from the land down under. <laughs> what's, what's, what's the Vegas show where it's uh, a bunch of Australians pretty uh, much naked? I don't think it's Australians, but... Um, I think it is. It's supposed to be. I think it's called Thunder Down Under. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so you got to have that. Okay. They have to be down under to embrace that name. Yeah, I mean, they're, yeah, I don't. It's it's Vegas. They can. <laughs> it's all about illusions. Um, okay, so one quick uh, item of business is that what you say? I forget what you sure. say. Sure. Programming note. Programming note to get to. Uh, John Pagano today officially hired as the Broncos outside linebackers coach. Feels like the Broncos are getting some things out of the way. They're clearing the schedule today. They're like, oh yeah, we got to announce that officially. 
we got to get Pat Shermer up there. And then we also got to let people talk to Steve Atwater because we'll also get an opportunity to speak with him today. They've got a lot to cross off the list because, of course, famously, as they said right after the season, they were going to do film review a month after the season ended. So right now they should be uh, right in the thick of going through the film review of their players from last year. And then in the weeks that follow, you've got a couple of weeks probably of, uh, based on previous calendars, probably of meetings uh, leading into free agency. So, and, and they'll have those, and they'll go to the combine, and they'll start gathering intel on players at the combine, getting a look at them. So this is, this is transferring into a hectic part of the calendar for the Broncos. The most important thing about John Pagano to know, he went to Fairview High School, just like mm-hmm. T.C. McCartney went to Fairview High School, and just like... Ryan Konigsberg went to Fairview High School. Well, congratulations. You, you know, got that. It's just a thing. They got to have someone from Fairview on the staff. <laughs> Is the view from Fairview High fair or more than fair? No, it's way more than fair. Um, <laughs> we always said, because there's also Grandview High School in Colorado. Yes. And Mountain the, View. The view from Fairview Vista. is far more grand than the view from Grandview, so I always felt like they should have traded names. <laughs> it's, it's way more than fair. Well, Fairview is older than Grandview, right? Yeah, they could have had it. I think your school probably was founded in the age that was more restrained, more understated, and Grandview came into being when you had to be a little bit more grandiose about your pronouncements. Right, a little, yeah, a little more hyperbole mm-hmm. in the, as generations have gone on. Good word. Speaking of names, the Thunder from Down Under, the show in Vegas, is Australian. Let these Australian hunks entertain you with their sexy six-packs and raunchy dance moves. Well, we know that that's what it's supposed to be, but in the end, it's just a bunch of guys from Los Angeles. You don't know that. You don't know that. Could be from, could be from down under. I doubt it. <laughs> do they Knowing talk what I know show? about Vegas. They probably do. Well, they okay. could do, do an Australian accent. <laughs> do they even talk? I don't even know if they talk. They land talk of wonder. The land down under. <laughs> <laughs> they talk with their bodies. All right. Well, oh. we talk with our mouths and no one can see our bodies but we're gonna jump into the questions early today because well is there anything else that you want to tell me about john pagano um related to chuck he also related to sam pagano yep exactly so all the connections yes of course the colorado native he is a guy that specializes in outside linebackers so if you want a good outside linebacker coach He's your guy. He has been a defensive coordinator. It could be easy for him to succeed here in Denver. You know, Bradley Chubb has a bounce-back season from the ACL. Von Miller has a bounce-back season from only having eight sacks this year. He could get plucked to be a defensive coordinator, but he's been there, done that, so there is a chance that he does stay for a while, and he, he, he probably wants to stay for a while considering this is the first time he's got to come home since he played college ball here. Yeah, it's... um. It's a good hire. The Broncos now have the oldest and most experienced coaching staff in the NFL. I mean, you, you could spin that one of two ways. Yeah, I was going to say, that can absolutely be spun either way. I feel like it's learning from some past mistakes as far as the experience angle. And right, I, they're like, we're never taking a chance on a young up-and-comer again. I mean, how, how many first-time coaches did they have last year in terms of their position? I guess Vic, Vic was one of them. Mm-hmm. T.C. McCartney. Was that it? Oh, Those Brandon, three? Well, Brandon Staley, who did a good job, I think he kind of, he level jumped. 
No, I, I think believe. he was the outside linebackers coach. Or was in he a defensive assistant? Yeah, yeah. I think he, he was OLBs yeah. in Chicago. He was. So you had three guys, one of them being your head coach. You kept your head coach. And you fired the other two first year guys, and then Vic said, "Oh, I learned from that. Well, We're going to hire experience." Not just him, but the organization, because you talk about going back a couple of years. Uh, Brock Olivo was an example of a coach who moved up from assistant special teams coach. They didn't learn Joseph. from those. Well, now it's because they, they a went while. back and it, it, right, right. They learned on the special teams. Now they're say, the thing with Scangarello. I think with Scangarello was they wanted a specific system. They wanted a specific scheme. Another thing about John Pagano that I think is interesting. First of all, he's worked with Vic Fangio before. They had three years together in Indianapolis. He actually was on the Colts staff before uh, Fangio got there. He was on the Colts staff in '98, and then Fangio arrived in 1999 as defensive coordinator coming over from Carolina, and he retained John Pagano on the staff. The other thing, you think back to when Pagano was the defensive coordinator for the Chargers uh, in the uh, 2010s, I believe 2012 to 2016, and this may kind of function on the Elway level because he's been around since then. His game plans used to give the Broncos fits year after year. The Chargers weren't necessarily dominant in terms of the the win-loss ledger, but they always had trouble with John Pagano's defenses over that time. And then, of course, he had the year with the Raiders in 2017 before uh, they moved on from from Jack Del Rio. So I feel like there are probably people in the Broncos building who have eyed John Pagano being on their staff for a long time. The Chiefs, Mace? No, he well, hasn't. That, that's his, that'll be his final stop on his AFC West tour. And he's got time to make that stop, depending <laughs> on how things go. He turns 53 next month so he should have plenty of years left in his coaching career and and take this for whatever it's worth he's coached pro bowl pass rushers Jadavion Clowney Khalil Mack Sean Merriman and Sean Phillips maybe he created all four of those guys maybe he did we'll see how he does but like I said we're going to jump into the questions early today because we are uh, suddenly in a rush to get over to Dove Valley so let's just start right now and we'll go to Lou Drock who says, evening chaps, question for you. What QB path do you think LA would be taking right now if Locke had stunk the place out and the Broncos finished 1-4 and four to end the season and therefore finished with a 4-12 and 12 record and had the fourth pick? Options are uh, persevere with Locke, draft Tua, draft Herbert, sign Brady, see what they can get out of Flacco again, or other. Keep up the great pods. Look forward to hopefully seeing you all in London in October. I think it would have been option four. Uh huh. Which is sign sign Thomas Tom, I think Brady. Exactly. I think that's the move John Elway would have made. And then failing that, I think it would have been uh, draft Herbert. That would have been the second choice. Yep, that's exactly. And since it looks like Tom's going back to New England, I think it would have been draft Herbert. So for more ways than one, boy, are we thankful that Drew Locke went four and one and looked good in those starts instead of one and four and looked abysmal. Now, what I would ask you guys is if they didn't get TB12, would then another option in addition drafting Herbert have been option five, see what they can get out of Flacco again. I think that yep. would have been in play too. Yep. No. It would have been in play. No. I, I hope so. it wouldn't be in play. I, I'm kind of with you, but I think it would have been. I think that the people in that building know that that didn't work out the way they thought it might. Well, in more ways than one. The thing is, though, John was so set on having Drew develop. So I think there would have been a veteran quarterback. And I think at the end of the day, John would have said, shoot, since we restructured his contract, 
it's going to save us ten million to cut him. It's going to save us. It's going to cost us ten million to bring in someone else. We might as well just. But roll the with cap him. carryover basically neutralizes what you're. What you're doing, the, the cap hit on Flacco for 2020. But that yeah. that also carries over now. So if yeah. you keep him, then then you have that additional money. And then so you just kick the can down the road again is what you're saying, which is how you get into these messes over and I'm over. I'm not Mace. I'm oh, not I, saying I I know you're not this. advocating that, Zach. I'm just <laughs> saying that's what they do sometimes. Oh, I would love it if it was option two, though, which is draft Tua. All right, next one's for you, Mace. Yes, Count Lockie. Like, gents, what did you think of that OPI call against George Kittle? And the clear offsides they didn't call against the Chefs. What is the worst officiating call in the Super Bowl in the last 20 years? Love the count. Well, I'll take the OPI against Kittle. He pushed off. It's not called often. It's what we call a weak call, but he pushed off. So from a Charger or from a Chiefs perspective, uh, it, that was pass interference. From a 49ers perspective, oh, it's a weak call. At the end of the day, he... By the letter of the law, he committed the crime. Here's what I come back to. Even if that the NFL was good at getting these correct after challenges, they still wouldn't have overturned that one. Right. Not just because they never overturn anything. Even if they were overturning things based on whether or not they were pass interference this year, that still wouldn't have gotten overturned. So, ticky-tack. But it was offensive pass interference. It was ticky-tack, but it was the right call. I think the problem I have with it is that you're calling this, but then you're not calling it in other games because Kyle Rudolph, by that standard, clearly should have been called for pass interference back in the wild card round when the Vikings played the Saints. And I think that's the problem is the inconsistent adjudication of this of this rule over and over again. The only thing that's consistent is the inconsistencies. Yes. I on the offside, I don't know how that gets missed. There's someone whose job is just to look down the line and see if stuff like that happens, and it was pretty egregious. So it's funny because Von Miller, if he just jumps the snap correctly and doesn't go offsides, they just throw the flag because it looks funny. Mm-hmm. Well, this one looked funny and was definitely offsides. They missed it, but it, it didn't – I mean, I don't know. This is where – I keep saying, when are we going to get to the lasers on the field? See, it, to be, I'm I mean, okay with that whenever. Yeah. In terms of the major markers. The, the tech, actually, the technology exists to where they should never miss an offside call. Oh, of never. course. They, of course, and they should always call a touchdown right. Yes. And that gets me back to spotting the ball, which in the Super Bowl oh. was god-awful. They must have been off on their spots a collective 100 yards by the end of the game. I couldn't believe it. There were multiple spots that were multiple yards off, and I'm just so sick of watching that. It's literally a guess. It's just a guessing game. Yeah. How about the worst call of the last 20 years in the Super Bowl? I have no clue. Mace, I defer to you. Okay, I've got to go with um, (laughs) – He's got his list of 20. The one that jumps out that was probably decisive in the game was back in Super Bowl 40. Uh, That was the Steelers-Seahawks game. And Bill Levy and his crew had a rotten a game, but uh, there was a there was one in particular where uh, the, the Seahawks got a completion down to the one yard line, but uh, Sean Locklear was called for holding, but it was nowhere near. And then, or a low block, pardon me, and the, or holding. And then, after the penalty, Matt Hasselbeck was intercepted on the subsequent play. Don't sounds, remember it. Sounds brutal. But sounds rough. And Bill Levy, the referee in that game, actually apologized after Yikes. for some of the calls. But uh, uh, that 
didn't help out how Seattle felt about that game in the wake of it. Next one's from Mark Shippers. He says, hey, friends, question today is which of the three teams that won the Lombardi is best in your guys' opinions? Most would say 1998, but I didn't see either in real time as I was one and a half years old and two and a half years old for each of those Super Bowls. Super Bowl 32 was definitely more important as it was the first and the Packers were so good, had the helicopter as well. So curious to see what the best team was out of 98, 97, and 2015. It's definitely 98. Yeah, I think with 98 you had the maturation of that team. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not speaking of, say, John Elway, but you had Rod Smith, who was another year older and another year better. Ed McCaffrey had a very good year. Terrell Davis, of course, had uh, the insane season going over 2,000 yards. And John Elway, while he did well, when they put Bubby Brister in, the machine just kept on humming without a hitch. Yeah, I mean, you can't argue with a 14-2 and two record. But what's interesting is a lot of people in this era point to the 2012 Broncos as being potentially the best team in Peyton Manning's era. The 1996 Broncos were also mm. pretty darn good and probably fall into a similar conversation as the 2012 Broncos. There's an argument to be made that the three best teams in Bronco history are 98, 96, 97, or 98, 97, 96, whatever order you want to have. And then you're talking about a team like 2012, and then another team, 1977, that went 12-2 and in the regular season, beat the Steelers and Raiders in the playoff game. Playoffs were losing to the Cowboys in Super Bowl Twelve. I think why Super Bowl, the Super Bowl Twelve team, the 77 team, is in that discussion is the quality of the teams that they beat. The AFC was a powerful conference at that point in time, and to get to the Super Bowl, the Broncos beat the Raiders once in the regular season. They actually lost the Raiders at home, but then get them back in the playoffs. They beat the Steelers in the playoffs. They beat a very good Baltimore Colts team down the stretch at home. The Broncos had to navigate some very choppy waters in order to make the Super Bowl and Super Bowl twelve, and it was a testament to the quality of that team. It's a top-five all-time Bronco team. Next one coming in from Dan Burke. One, did y'all see the Adam Rank had the Broncos as his team most likely to pull a 49ers? Maybe the tides are turning after all. <laughs> it's like right after I said that everyone was sleeping, people woke up. Yep. First Cowherd, now Adam Rank. I think they're right. I think they're going to be on the right side of history here. Two, probably in the minority, although I get the vibe that RK would be on the same wavelength as me on this, but Kanye would be a great idea for the halftime show, even though his last few albums have been trash and he's had some interesting things to say over the past few years. But we can't deny he's got the classics for a halftime show. Those interesting things, I think, are why he would not get the call. Yeah. I mean, he basically said that slavery was a choice. At that point, you just yeah. can't really come back from that. You Yikes. really can't come back from that. <laughs> yeah. But putting that aside, he's completely right in the fact mm. that Kanye has more than enough bangers to do a halftime show. He's ju- he's so unreliable that it and unpredictable and unpredictable <laughs> that the NFL would want nothing to do with him. Three for Mr. B. Four. Have any of y'all ever made any comparisons between Mike Zimmer and Vic Fangio? Both share similar defensive philosophies. Both became head coaches at an older age despite several successful years as defensive coordinator, and both have similar personalities and seemingly similar leadership styles. Vikes went 7-9 and nine in Zimmer's first year as a head coach, and then 11-5 and five the year after. Hmm. There's something else that's similar, gentlemen, and it is that if you look at Mike Zimmer's first year as Vikings head coach, this happens earlier than it did for Vic Fangio, but... About a month into the season, 
Mike Zimmer inserts a young quarterback named Teddy Bridgewater who gets his feet wet, learns on the job, and then in that second year guides the Vikings to an NFC North title and an 11-5 record. And, of course, now you have Drew Locke. Didn't play as much but got his feet wet, got some quality reps under him, and now he's back for year two. So that's another thing that they could have in common, the young emerging quarterback in his second year ready to guide the team to greater heights. And the next one here comes from our guy, Cody. He says, great podcast today, fellas. Thanks, Cody. We Thanks, appreciate Cody. that. Appreciate it, man. Jimmy Balls says, hello, gentlemen. As part two of your welcoming as the 33rd NFL franchise, the Denver Dogs must select a core group to build around. Which of these packages would each of you rather start with? One, Vaughn, Sutton, Lindsey, and A.J. Johnson. Two, Chubb, Fant, Kareem, and Bowles. Or three, Simmons, Harris Jr., Reisner, and DeAndre Mount. Or Drape. <laughs> Draymond. Mount. <laughs> Isn't he in the XFL now? Yeah, he is. I think is. he is. The yeah. of a man. <laughs> oh. oh, man. So Locke is not a part of any of these because that would have made it too easy. This one's so easy for me. I, I think it's the third group. No. Simmons, no, Harris Jr., group. Reisner, it's and Draymond. I like the youth there and having a corner who's been at top level for a long time. I, I love this exercise, but I thought it was going to be more difficult. What did you... It's so easy. What's your, what's your pick? Number one. Yeah, it's definitely Num- number one. Number one. You get three studs. Two three potential- pro bowlers. Yes, three pro bowlers and a guy that played incredibly well. One of the pro bowlers is, with Cortland Sutton, as good as he is, that's the easiest position to find. You have... Von Miller, who has more left, Von Miller or Chris Harris Jr.? It's probably a coin flip, right, Yeah. at this yeah. point. Um, and that's a good group. I just I like, getting, I like getting Simmons back. I think Dalton Reisner is going to be a pro bowler within a couple of years. And I guess I, I mentioned him yesterday. I'm high on Draymond Jones as an interior pass rusher. I mean, none of these are bad choices. No. I just the, – there's one with three pro bowlers. Which, to me, made it easy. Yeah, and there's one with uh, a guy that's been criticized in this town more yeah, than any uh, other sports player in this it, town. And think yeah, about no one's like, Yeah, and think <laughs> about like that group, Chubb, Fant, Cream, and Bowles. Bowles has struggled with holding penalties his entire, his entire career. Chubb is coming off a torn ACL. Kareem Jackson is headed into year 11. Yeah. I mean, the only, I mean you're confident in Noah Fant, but... He still has some distance left to traverse. So yeah, that's, but I love I love that exercise, Jimmy B. That's good. Thank you. Appreciate that from Sausage Sanga Harry. After solid flashes by both Demarcus Walker and Draymond Jones in 2019, how confident are you in the interior defensive line? Not the, confident. <laughs> I'm confident in Draymond Jones. I'm not sure about the rest of it. Is that fair to say? I'm not putting any confidence in Demarcus Walker. While he did make some plays, he's a cherry on top. Are we just talking defensive line? Then, like the three spots truly on the defensive line here. Yes. Yeah. Right now, no. You, you, the two good players, two best players, two best players are Shelby Harris and Derek Wolf, and both of them are free agents. So you can't possibly have confidence if, if you are counting on Draymond Jones and Demarcus Walker to be your starters at those positions next year. You better pray. Do you think D- Bill Kolar is counting on Demarcus Walker to be a starter? No, no, no. exactly. And, and he, here's the reason: he had his best stretch of his career last year, and he still was inactive. And after then he that. was benched after. <laughs> exactly. If the Broncos retain Wolf and use a mid-round pick on another 
interior defensive line, just as, such as Jason Strobridge, or for, through free agency, I think we will have the makings of a rather disrupted defensive front with depth. I love the optimism, but Wolf and a mid-round pick are not – you got worse. Yes, unless Draymond Jones gets better. I think Draymond Jones might be the key Better than Shelby Harris, thing. though, all, all, right away? I think he's a better – is it possible he's a better pass rusher? He's not as good as getting passes knocked down at the line of scrimmage, <laughs> but is it possible no he's is. a better pass rusher in 2020 than Shelby was in 2019? Maybe. Yeah, I think it's it's in the cards. And Strobridge is interesting, of course. He really emerged from just an okay season at North Carolina this past year with a dominant week in the Senior Bowl. And the thing that jumped out to me that I thought, boy, Bill Kolar might really like this kid if you get him in there, is the fact that if he wasn't getting the passer, he was, was knocking down multiple passes every day in practice. He was doing a good job of adjusting when he didn't win that matchup to make sure that he was able to have an impact on the play. Sounds like Shelby Harris 2.0. Really quick, guys, and serious question, no disrespect here, but is Derek Wolf? which way is he trending right now? Because his age will probably tell you he's trending down. His injuries would tell you he's, well, I guess, trending in the same direction he always has been, which is a little down. But he just had the best season of his career. So is he trending up? Uh, I think it would be unwise to count on him to have a better season next year. I, I would mm-hmm. agree. And so that means he can't be trending up. Yes. Right. He's treading water, which is fine. I think the thing that he did last year was he guaranteed that he will get if not the same level of contract that he got back in 2016, a good contract. All right, before we move on, I want to give a shout-out to Breckenridge Brewery. Uh, always the best. Like I said, late yesterday we headed over to their um, compound or their campus the other day, which is just a sight to see. Make sure you head over there, grab some beers. Uh, they've got stuff that you wouldn't have normally there. They've also got some incredible food. Uh, over in the farmhouse, so make sure you go check out Breck. And you guys know the deal about the Green Solution, 17 Colorado locations. They have that express checkout to get you in and out as fast as possible. And you know their website, mygreensolution.com, where you can order your flour, concentrates, edibles, and topicals online and head to the closest Green Solution for pickup. And that magical code DNVR20 coming in for 20% off your entire purchase. That's mygreensolution.com and hit that code DNVR20. Next one here is from Locke the Casbah, formerly known as Finn. He says, Finn here. Uh, Slightly miffed that none of you knew who Haley Steinfeld is, but glad you guys had a chance to learn about her. Hopefully at least one of you guys gets the strong reference in my nickname. I think we all know the song Rock the Casbah. Oh, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yes. Anyway, he says, pancakes are the truth, honey crisp apples are amazing, and ice cream cakes are good, but nothing beats a regular cake, especially a Neapolitan cake, a.k.a. a layer of chocolate, vanilla, and strawberry. It's one of the best cakes I've ever had. I don't think I've ever had a cake. I've had the, the Neapolitan ice cream. Yeah, that just reminds me of ice cream. And, and that's the thing. Yeah, so like- wouldn't that be less than the ice cream cake of which you speak because it's ins- inspiring, its name is inspired, pardon me, by the ice cream cake itself? Yes, it would be less. It's almost offensive. <laughs> He finishes by saying, also weeks ago, someone commented on the pod about the best place in Dallas to find Hawaiian food. 
That's what they said, at least. Being that I live in Dallas, if whoever that was wants to share that restaurant, I'd love to check it out. Now, is it like Hawaiian food where they serve the plate lunches, which, is, of course, is the scoop of rice, the scoop of macaroni salad, and then some kind of meat and other thing on top of the rice? Or, or is it poke? We can't, I love poke. Um, we will never know until they comment, but I also mm-hmm. love both of those things. Um, so is that, the, is that the right way to pronounce it, poke? Yeah. I always say pokey. Yeah, most people do. It's like sake, sake. sake. Okay. It's appropriate yeah. you say pokey because it rhymes with chipotle. <laughs> <laughs> and I also say sake. Real quick, he mentioned someone commenting a few weeks ago, and I don't know if this person commented later because I haven't read through all the comments. But we did have a friend who commented a couple weeks ago about the season series between the Jazz and the Nuggets. Mm. Mm. And I just have to say, things are off to a great start for me in that bet. I think it was a pizza bet. Yeah. And the worst case I can do is split at this point because the Nuggets have started 2-0 and against the Jazz after coming back from like a 13-point deficit last week, a multi, uh, another double-digit deficit last night. And last night, guys, they had seven total players. And one of their players was playing for the Mavericks. Gary Harris did his best. You mean the Jazz? The Jazz, because Gary Harris did his best to make sure that the Jazz won that game. 0 for 13. He was 0 for 13. It's a franchise record. That is incredible. But to Gary Harris's credit, he had a massive rebound at the end of the game and two big free throws. So he did redeem himself a little bit. But, man, the Jazz, I mean – do you have you must have nightmares about Nicole Jokic, the ninth player in NBA history with a 30 point, 20 rebound, 10 assist triple double last night? Impressive. He did it just incredible, essentially by himself. Yep. Won the it's game. not like they had all their best players either. It was him and Jamal, and then a, a ragtag group of stragglers. Yep. <laughs> yep. L- Larry Den Jr. Okay, guys, I was ignoring how we are starting to trend on the national radar. First, Dan Hansus of the awesome. Around the NFL podcast did a great job ranking us in NFL power rankings, acknowledging how much cap space and draft picks we have. Then Colin Cowherd named us the number 10 team in his power rankings going into next season, acknowledging that we went 7-9, and but 4-1 down the stretch. How he likes Drew Locke and how we were a top 10 defense despite losing Bradley Chubb for the year. Then... PFF. Said that our Ross PFF. I'm sorry. Well, he had the exclamation points after that. Huh? So that's, sorry, that's Larry. A, that's a me move. Yeah. Then PFF said that our roster is more complete than most people think, and we need a piece or two. Despite all that, I was going to ignore it all and just trust my gut and you guys about this team and say nothing. However, Adam Rank, Mister Two and Fourteen, has dubbed us one of the teams. He not only likes the playoff team. But he sees having a 49ers-like turnaround. What is going on? I want to get national respect, but are we going to be overhyped like the Browns? And if so, do you think we got the team and coaching staff and organizational leadership to live up to it? Because it's starting to get, to get real. And it's only February. Wow. Well, it's, it's interesting. And when, when you mention the Browns, I can't help but think of Baker Mayfield and Drew Locke. We said how those guys are kind of similar in terms of their approach and how confident they are. Maybe Baker's a little more cocky, as we've said, and a little too much. But it, it does make me think, huh, that's an interesting point. Because before that it comparison, I would have said, yeah, Drew's the guy to, to uh, really not worry about those uh, and push through, and, and it doesn't matter if they're getting respect or not. But it is interesting with Baker. I think oh. what's fascinating to see is what happens to the perception if, 
the Raiders or Chargers sign TB12. Let's just live in the moment where he doesn't go back, the world where he doesn't go back to New England. What happens that perception? Because right now, I'd say the Broncos would be the consensus pick to finish second in the AFC West based on the rosters where they stand at this point. I agree. Adam Rank compared the Broncos to the 49ers. Larry Dennis comparing them potentially to the Browns. I think they're a lot closer to the 49ers than the Browns, just in the sense that this is this this little puff of national respect <laughs> will disappear quickly. Next one's from Southern Steve. Hey, guys, which of the following tight ends will be on the Bronco roster next season? Fant, Hireman, Fumigali, Butt, Beck, Fort, Howard? Buck Howard. Yes, of course. Yeah. And how will they fit in Shermer's scheme? Go Broncos. I'm oh. going to say Fant. Fant, Hireman, Beck for me will be the three that make the roster. And I think Fort's on the practice squad. Yeah. If they can and maybe Bug too. Gosh. So I, Fumigali is on the is on the bubble right now. Yeah, I would rather go with Fumigali than Hireman, but I just haven't seen anything that would lead me to believe that Hireman's going to be on the out. Are there savings available? With Hireman? Yep. Yes. Significant. Four or five mil. Oh, just do it. Just cut him. Rip the tape they off. They should. Fumigali's gonna be cheap, so I would go with Fant. You know what? Because of those savings, I'll, I'll go I'll stick with my guns. I'll go Fant, Fumigali, and Beck. Boy, I can't believe Beck's going to make the team. That's incredible. Oh, I can't be believe the fullback yeah. in uh, 2021. Yep. He's going to be that guy that every year people say, oh, he's not going to make the team, and every year he keeps making the roster. He, he's just going to do whatever it takes in camp, special teams, and he's going to endear himself to the coaches, and he's going to wiggle his way onto the roster. I think the most fascinating names on this list are Jake Butt and Austin Fort, because Austin Fort can do potentially some of the same things that Jake Butt can, but he too is coming off the ACL. Jake Butt, if he plays well and he stays healthy, that's a great problem to have, but you can't rely on him because of the injury history. No, you can't rely on him at all. Uh, And Fort, practice squad, will will be nice for him. Um, Buck Buck Howard, I like him, but... uh, uh, yeah. I don't see space. From Iceman, he says, Hey, friends, RK, do not cave on your opinion that River's arm is shot. It is gonzo. I completely agree. Mm-hmm. He could still play, but only in a perfect scheme. Ebor City? Yes, correct. Good job. N- nice memories, Mace. <laughs> it sounds like Zach and Mace think Jerry Maguire is more of a rom-com. That would be hard to argue. Go Broncos and Drew. It's a sports rom-com. It crosses sure. genres. I think you can say that. It's a sports rom-com. Sure. One thing about the perfect scheme for Philip Rivers that Iceman notes, could Bruce Arians' scheme be a perfect scheme? Could be. Next one from the Big Tabowski. Nutella? I presume you guys are talking about Nutella. Or Nutella. 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 I'm, I'm malleable. I, I'll call it whatever. Mm. I just, I'm just a chameleon. Whatever. Nutella, <laughs> Nutella. Around me, I'll just call it that. Tomato, tomato. Potato, potato. Let's call Another the one thing that off. I always just change depending on the day is the street in uh, the Highlands, Zuni or Zunai Street. I believe it's correctly pronounced Zunai Street. Really? Yeah. But it just it comes out Zuni. It just sometimes it just that's how it comes I've out. I've never thought of it as anything but Zuni. Yeah. Oh, All I've my only years thought here. of Zunai. I believe it is Zunai. <laughs> wow. Look at me pronouncing it right. But I, I know that, and then sometimes I'm just saying it, and Zuni comes out. I guess it's not peanut butter. Right. It's mm. named after hazelnut. Right. Nutella. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. I've never heard that before. But I, I, it's, it's... It makes sense, but I've never heard of that. Way. Yep. 
Next one from the donkey. Would you say it's more likely that the Chargers move up in the draft over Miami to draft a quarterback or the Broncos move up a few spots over the Raiders to draft a falling tackle or wide receiver? So easy. Chargers. Char- yep. Quarterback premium. It's what it's all about. Chargers. And if they move on from Phil, they're going to be very desperate. From Dan Burke, should we be worried about this new report and increasing talk that Michigan State are having internal discussions about having Pat Shermer for their head coach job? I know he's under contract with the Broncos, but is there a clause that would let him leave for a college job? Shermer's from Detroit and went to MSU, so I can see why that job would appeal to him. But if they end up losing him to the college ranks and Drew gets shafted once again, SMH. By the way, I heard y'all are talking to Shermer today, and maybe he sounds super committed and excited to coach Drew, and I'm worrying about nothing, but this has me a little nervous, not going to lie. Well, have you guys heard of these rumors or nope. know any more detail? I haven't either. Mace? No. Haven't heard a thing connecting him to Michigan State's job. What's more enticing for a guy that went there? Is it to uh, uh, spurn the Broncos and go and be the Michigan State head coach, or is it to be an offensive coordinator for the Denver Broncos? Look, I don't know a lot about Pat Shermer yet. But he does not strike me as a college head coach. I would agree with that. But what's what's a better gig? Being the head coach of your alma mater. Yeah, I would think so too. But I also agree with you that he doesn't seem like a college coach. I think part of it is it's not only that he went there, but he coached there for ten seasons. Some of the some of those were with uh, Nick Saban back in the nineteen. And maybe some with Mel Tucker. Uh, when, what year was uh, Mel Tucker there? I don't know off the top of my head. I want to say early 2000s. Okay, he would have missed Mel Tucker by three or four years then because his la- because Shermer's last year at Michigan State was uh, 1997. Maybe. Boy, that would be something else. That would be bad for the Broncos. Oh, God, that is oh. catastrophic. <laughs> what do you do yes. then? Uh, there's a there's, Mike Shula. There, yeah, yeah Mike Shula. that has to be it. Or there's but, a there's a coach that doesn't have a title with the Eagles right now. Rich Gangarello. Rich Gangarello. <laughs> Bring him back. Or oh my God, Mike McDaniel. It would have to be. Uh, it would have to be Mike Shula at this point. That is straight up disaster. What if he plucks Mike Shula to be the OC? Yeah. No, I mean, I, he was his OC in New York. I don't think that. But Mike, OC in the NFL. Is if Mike Shula could be college. the NFL, he but he's OC a, here. But in the oh, NFL. I see, I see. Yeah, you're, that's a downgrade to go from being OC in the NFL to OC right in college. And also, Mike Shula's foray into the college ranks, Alabama head coach, didn't work out very well. Should someone someone should ask him today? Yeah, oh, I I guess we'll have to look into these rumors. But there a are stories. Yeah, talk to him. yeah th- there's a, a couple of. Uh, stories out there uh there's one on uh, nj.com it says nfl rumors is ex giants coach pat Shermer a legitimate candidate for the michigan state job so per bad. pete thamel of or is it tamil or thamel or of yahoo sports Shermer is under consideration and here's the excerpt from that story this is a live name that's been vetted internally and discussed as a real candidate <laughs> this is so bad Guys. so it's rumor but I have not heard anything that the rumor or that being vetted has led to genuine interest. That's well, why I was saying someone I, just I've has not asked me yeah. Would you have any interest if in the head coaching job at your alma mater? He, ha- I mean, he has to say no, right? And that's it. No, next question, almost sort of deal. I'm focused on the Denver Broncos. Oh, what if he says mm-hmm. not right now? And he gives the right now move. Oh gosh. I hope you. Would, I hope you'd give a, a thought out answer in which he says. Man, that would be a great job for me, and it's something that I've thought about before, but I've made a commitment to the Denver Broncos, and I'm not going to go back on that. That'd be a good answer. That'd be a great answer. That's the right answer. And uh, 
right I wonder now. if Patrick Smythe is preparing him with that answer at this point. Well, we're not doing a live, so. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sure, yeah. Uh, for Mr. Freeze, as delicious as Nutella is, it's the only thing that ever put me in the hospital. Turns out I'm borderline severely allergic to hazelnuts. Oh, man. Even worse, they gave me a shot to counteract the reaction, but told me it could awaken some other allergies. Boy, they were right. Now peanut butter makes my throat itchy, allergic to cats, new lactose allergy, and I also have seasonal allergies now. Jeez. Since you guys like drinking games, I've been trying one out. Every time Mace mentions Tampa Bay, I take a shot. So far, I've blacked out 34 <laughs> times. So he's BOD'd? Yes. <laughs> oh, <laughs> man. I'm sorry. Yeah, that is, that's a bummer. My girlfriend's allergic to hazelnuts, peanuts, and cats. Yet, she still has cats, but... Stays away from the other two? Yes. <laughs> you can take a shot, though, to... Uh help your allergy to ch- the cats right yes yeah. yes you can okay oh, i thought you meant like a shot of tequila which you can actually <laughs> do to help you with many allergies <laughs> next one coming in from chilango bronco hey guys here's an all time of the day food ham and cheese bagels that's a uh, that's lunch ham and cheese bagel sandwich if you oh, have the bagel yeah to <laughs> me it's like it's, mixed it's, into the bagel yeah and it's only breakfast if you have the eggs right right yeah and, if, if not, you're eating just a sandwich for breakfast, which is not normal. Yeah, it would be you're eating lunch for breakfast. Wait, a breakfast sandwich isn't normal for... A breakfast sandwich has eggs on it. Okay. Oh, for yeah. another time of day. Okay, fine. That's I what I'm you. saying. Like, I you gotcha. don't just eat a turkey and cheese for breakfast. So oh. when I had a I had a burrito with eggs and bacon for lunch yesterday. That was a bre- that was breakfast for lunch. Yeah, breakfast Even for lunch. with green chili on it and everything? Oh, yeah. It just it's better probably more. <laughs> <laughs> We're not saying you can't do it. We're just saying it's breakfast. I mean, it was delicious. It had green chili and red chili. It was tremendous. But mm. you're, you're saying I had breakfast for lunch. Yeah, and that's okay. He <laughs> goes on and says, Broncos related. Would you re-sign Theo Riddick on a similar contract as last year? Much love. Sure. He better be taking the minimum. Yeah, I, I don't want a similar contract. I want a lesser contract. I want something with minimal guarantees. Which I think is understandable. Yeah. He they, got paid a they, lot for they doing nothing. They should be nothing. like, we, we paid you $3 million already. <laughs> like, you're, come on, just take this. Dude. Although the legacy of Kevin Hogan is the throw that basically hung Theo Riddick out to dry. Oh, yeah. In the Seahawks preseason game. Uh, that Ugh. was rough. That was rough. If only Man. you just dropped that experiment. Yes, should have never done it, just like we always said. He was wasting snaps. And that did not put a smile on our face. But if there's something that puts a smile on your face, it should be Green Mountain Dental, and they're going to put a pristine smile on your face. And when you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam, they're going to give you a free Sonicare toothbrush. So make sure you call them today at 303-988-0711 to schedule your appointment. Bronco Rush comes in and says, Man, it seems like I'm the only one who wants an actual band to play in the Super Bowl. I'd take anything. Nothing more. Never God heard of smack. Heard of it. Star set. Never heard of it. Breaking Benjamin. Never heard of it. I've never heard of any of those. Except Godsmack. Yeah, I've heard of Godsmack. Yeah, I've never heard of that. I'd rather have the Trans-Siberian Orchestra than all of them. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. I'd be getting down. Maybe we need to start that campaign, Trans-Siberian Orchestra for the Super Bowl. <laughs> the DNVR campaign. For the shirts. <laughs> I'd even take a female front band, like, in the moment. Oh, yeah. Nope. Never heard of that one. <laughs> <Nope>. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just kind of tired of the pop music. And when they do pick a band, they're kind of out of their prime. I want a show to rock my socks. You know what would rock everyone's socks? Hmm. Trans-Siberian orchestra. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we should make socks. <laughs> we should. With rock, with rock on them. TSO for 
TB in LV. I don't know. <laughs> From DNVR. It rolls off the tongue, <laughs> Yeah. It? What's uh, some- real quick, the reason they choose pop music is called pop music because <laughs> it means popular music, which means it's the most popular, and you're having millions of people watching. You want to apply to as many of them as you possibly can. Yep, and sorry, I don't think uh, Star Set or Breaking Benjamin's doing that. What's some heavier music you guys want to perform in the Super Bowl or whatever your rock band of choice is if you don't like the heavier stuff? Yeah, I don't know any heavier uh, stuff. Led Zeppelin. Oh, yeah. I don't think they can do that. Um, who else? Um, the Beatles. This is old fun. school. ACDC. Yeah. Did they never play one? They've never played one. Oh man, they that rock. Would, that was and rock. Yeah. Even though, of course. Um, Can't you imagine? Like yeah. they, they're opening with Hell's Bells. Oh man. It's all dark. <laughs> Bell starts ringing. I mean, obviously. I mean, Malcolm Young died a few years ago. Yeah. But, which uh, sucks. The band is still active they're talking they have talked about touring again i don't really want any like 70 year old bands out there (laughs) i know that's the one thing i think it's probably past the time but as far as like if there's if there's one band that hasn't performed that i would want to see perform in my heart it's probably acdc here's one that's current and it's a band in the highest order nathaniel rateliff and the night sweats that would be dope. Yep. <laughs> if it was in Denver, they might have a chance. Do you see uh, the Lumineers are playing at Coors? With my guy. Yep, that's what I was going to say. Oh, yeah. Yep. Of course I see. <laughs> it's going to be expensive, but I'll be there. Oh, yeah. Although, and you know what? If, if I like Nathaniel Rat- Ratliff for the Night Sweats because I want the whole nation to get up and get a drink when... Right. Well, also, Son of a bitch, get me a drink. <laughs> and it's, just, it's good dancing music. Yes. It'll get everyone hype. Yep. I'd be down. Next one coming in from Newman. If we have Sutton and draft Lamb, would our wide receiver core be known as Mutton? Oh, <laughs> that's good. That would be really good. Mr. Undrafted Mr. says, as amazing as it would be for us to get Chris Jones, is it better to save some money there and get Clayus Campbell as defensive end and then try and get a def- decent defensive tackle, then spend the extra money and try an Amari Cooper? Do you think we have a chance, and is that worth the money? It's not uh, It's not a one-for-one one thing here. You can't. Calais Campbell and Amari Cooper would cost significantly more than Chris Jones. I'm... I am very down for Calais Campbell, but I'm not using that extra money plus some on Amari Cooper. And right, it's yeah, the difference between twenty million and over thirty million. And he mentions a de- defensive tackle. And I assume you mean nose tackle. Uh, you're fine with Mike Purcell. Nose tackle comes out when you go into sub anyway. I like the idea of drafting a future nose tackle on day three. That's when you can find uh, those type of big body guys who are hard to move and uh, not exceptional pass rushers, but uh, can occupy guys on the interior per cell for at least another year. Day three pick on a nose tackle of the future. There you go. Next one's from Miller Light, and this is a good one. He says, all right, hear me out, but I think I've found the meal that fits all three times of the day. Chicken and waffles i've seen it served on breakfast lunch and dinner menu out here in phoenix don't know if that's a national thing but you can definitely have it for all three i think he hit the nail on the head he's right i i read this comment earlier this morning and it was i had a moment of clarity reading reading this thinking about uh, roscoe's house of chicken and waffles out in la or gladys knight's chicken and waffles place in atlanta that's it i think we have a winner Living in Denver, I'm not too familiar, but from my encounters with chicken and waffles, isn't it more of a brunch thing, not necessarily a true breakfast? It's an all-day thing. I like mean, it's like breakfast, an 8 lunch, and dinner. Breakfast thing. 
Is it? No, but that doesn't matter. What? If it what? Yes, it does. No, I've had it every if meal of the day. You can have it at breakfast, lunch, and dinner without it changing. It fits. Doesn't matter if you have it at 8 a.m. for breakfast or 11 a.m. for breakfast. Well, then it's brunch. If it's a brunch food, it's a brunch food. But br- okay, so it's brunch. You know what brunch is? Breakfast and lunch combined together. So you're two thirds of the way there. And you can also have it at dinner, so it fits all three. So you're two thirds of the way there. But the I'll thi- agree with you. The key also have it at dinner. That. Right? Yeah, with dinner. You're two thirds of the way to the breakfast, though. It's right. Or you guess you're half on the way. But you no, have to have both. You cannot. If you take one away, you don't have the three meal parlay here. You're not taking one away. Right. That's the thing. Breakfast, if, brunch if he, is just breakfast and lunch. You're just combining. But the no, two I'm meals. saying if you He's take chicken, chicken away from the waffles, it's done. It's only a breakfast. Yes. If you take the waffles away from the chicken, it's lunch and dinner. Yep. It's not breakfast. But it fits both. Yes. This is a winner. Wow. That's it. Good it, job. It, see, and he understood. Yes. He got, we nothing about. changes. You, <laughs> you put it. You have it at dinner. You're still putting syrup on it. All right. From Bronco born, Bronco bread. Oh, wait, there's part of that. Um, oh, there's more. Yeah, he said. Do you guys ever video record your podcast? I would have loved to have seen the great Mahomes debate between you three on video. LMAO. Have a great weekend, boys. Yeah, we usually do about one a week. Uh, things have just gotten super busy these days. so It's oh. either Monday or Tuesday, typically. This past week, it was Monday. Or no, we didn't. We did it at the studio. We did it at uh, DMVR. We didn't do it on video. Yep. We'll, so, we'll, have we'll, plenty, we'll be back. We'll have plenty throughout the offseason. Um, also, if you saw that debate, we were all pretty much smiling the whole time <laughs> from bronco born bronco red had a dream that the broncos had their choice between cd and judy and went with cd oh. i don't know what crack the rest of the nfl was smoking to take jalen rager ahead of both of them but hey i wasn't complaining rk congrats congrats on the big dub for your nuggets last night another off-season question who's y'all's favorite all-time athlete outside of football so you're saying that in your dream they took jalen rager before cd and judy the NFL did, and then the, wow. the Broncos got yeah. like, Sounds like a dream. That's I mean, The Raiders would do something like that. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, that's – okay, that, that'd be great. And it's not that I don't like Jalen Rager, but uh, I'd be fine. That being said, if it's CD or Judy, both were on the board at 15, and you're taking your receiver, which one are you guys going for? Judy. G- uh, Judy. Yeah, Instantly. me too. So. Uh, favorite athlete outside of football? Michael Jordan. That's a good one. This is tough. For me, it, it – you have to get more specific inside of Denver or outside of Denver. Let's do inside since we already know Mace is outside. Okay. My favorite inside of Denver. Yep. Uh, the very brief Rocky from 1993, Dale Murphy. <laughs> Daniel Murphy, the current one. He's come back. Oh, heck no. Dale Murphy. Um, <laughs> and then I'd have to say they're probably Atlanta Braves. So it's Dale Murphy, uh, Andre's big cat, Galarag of Castilla. I just loved Todd Helton. That's probably the one that, like, I just I couldn't get enough of Todd Helton when I was a kid. I'm going to mention two people that left in a similar fashion, Carmelo Anthony and Troy Tulowitzki. Mm. I loved both of them. I did, too. Not, not too low as much as Melo. I really loved Melo. But it does, it does – it, it hurts his case that it ended with a bad taste in our mouth. I will say this. I was at the game the other night, Nuggets Blazers. A lot of people booed every time he touched the ball. I felt I felt no urge no. to boo him anymore. No. I did, though, when I was at his first game back from New York. I did boo him then. It's just I'm over it now. Yeah, I'm I'm over it too. He, uh, I can't believe he still hasn't been welcomed back to to uh, to have his number retired or anything because he's still playing. It that's crazy. It seems like the mellow era is so long over. He's a bucket getter though. He is. He is. That was one of the things that made him so great. Well, of I course, loved... now, what do you do with number 15, though? I mean, 
when the time comes to retire it? Is it going to be the Trapuca Manning type of thing? Yeah, Mello can be the footnote. <laughs> <laughs> I hate that. I'm sorry. I know we've said it before. I absolutely hate the shared thing. Just give Peyton a you know separate what, You know what banner. I was thinking about this? Shouldn't uh, you know? Shouldn't John Elway be the footnote to Craig Morton? In that, if we're going with that, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and that's kind of how it compares when you have Peyton Manning's name. No disrespect to to Frank Trapuca, but when you have Peyton's name below him, that's it, it's just oh. the same as having Elway's name below Morton's. I agree. Missouri Broncos says, "Did I hear RK mispronounce cornhole?" The classic Midwestern debate. I just called it bags yesterday because I feel like that's m- more people know what that means. I would say bags. Uh, I, I've re- never heard of bags. I've only heard cornhole. <laughs> I, lo- I, I call it. It's one of the, another thing. I just whatever people are calling it. That's what I call it that day. I don't have a strong stance on this. But bags, I feel like, is more of the millennials term for it. I think so. Probably because cornhole just invites Snickers and sounds gross. It's and too long. It's yeah, yeah two syllables. Who you know wants what are that? Good, though corn nuts. I love corn nuts, but I would always bring them for like a, a snack in school, and you can't do that. Because the to... crunch is too loud. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'll have to ask my daughter. I mean, she's only seven, but you know they play it at school, and every there's a a cornhole slash bag set up at a restaurant we go to, and so she knows it and talks about it. I'll have to see what they call it. Uh, in she probably first calls grade. it whatever you call it. Well, but at the same time. She may call it whatever the pe- the kids call it in her class. True. So they may be hearing something different. Do yeah. they have the rule where they have to have a beer in their hand when they play? <laughs> root beer. Oh, okay. <laughs> My daughter go. loves root beer. Till I, I loved root not? beer, too, when oh, I was a yeah. kid. Yeah. Cream uh, soda, though. Oh, Oof. cream soda's better. It's the it's it's a soda, but it's no caffeine. So as a parent, oh. I'm like, yeah, I'm, yeah. I, if you want a little treat, I'm on board with this. Root beer or cream soda? <laughs> root beer. Cream soda is better. Even cream soda floats are better than root beer floats. Yeah, I agree. World of suck. Y'all have said if the Broncos draft Wurfs, they could slide Wurfs over to guard for the year while Bowles and James hold down the outsides. I didn't say that. Yeah, we've never said that, but that has been a notion. Mace has said that. I've said that. Yeah, I'm not. And I think I've said that. I know uh, Andre Simone, Dre, who you sometimes hear on our draft podcasts, or actually sometimes hear all the time. He's mentioned this too. When well, makes really quick, just, just to defend both of you, that's what a lot of national people are saying. Right. Uh, are, are saying he especially has the, to the Broncos is that he can move inside. You can see what Garrett Bowles has for another year. It's a way of making sure that your first round pick starts in year one, and you get value out of that. That he's not just riding the pine. Yep. That's, the, that's part of it. My question is, why not slide Bowles to guard? My knowledge of offensive line skill sets is pretty weak, but his problem seems to be primarily slow feet, and guard doesn't require the same type of drop-back movement the tackle does. Thoughts? I've been on board with this for a while. A lot of offensive line-focused people don't agree with it, but I'm much, much, much more open to trying Bowles out at guard during training camp to find out what it is if you have worfs than taking a first-round pick and moving him to a less valuable position. I think part of the problem, though, um, and why uh, there's two things to consider. Number one, we've talked about the mental side with Garrett Bowles, and so you're saying, okay, after all this, you've got to learn a new position, and how much would he struggle with that? The other thing that happens with Garrett Bowles is sometimes he's a bit uh, slow to react at the snap, and the problem that comes in at guard is – that you're dealing with the pass rusher much more quickly than you are when you're on the edge. 
if I sorry, go ahead. If I draft a tackle in the first round, he is going to be my tackle. I've admitting right there that Garrett Bowles is done. If I draft a left tackle, Garrett Bowles is done, so he can move inside, and I, I'd like to see what he can do a guard. Give him that another year because you're paying him like three million dollars this year. So absolutely, I'm okay with moving Garrett Bowles to guard, but no. I am not taking my most valuable commodity this offseason and changing positions. I am not okay with that at all. Yeah, I think it's crazy. And if you want to give Garrett Bowles another year, then give him another year. Don't, Don't draft, draft a tackle. tackle. Yep. Uh, from Albino Reno. says, guys, I'm reading, a ton, uh, I'm reading tons of the rankings, but I saw, your, I, want, I saw a take and I want your what-if perspective on it. The Broncos took but one spot ahead of Kittle, round 5, 145, and 146. But what if the Broncos had taken Kittle there and solidified the tight end spot? How would the seasons after be changed, and how would the subsequent drafts be changed? No Fant last year. Does Drew go at 20 instead? Yours truly, Albino Reno. Yeah. Or Albino Rhino? No. Well, he's embraced it. Yep. <laughs> oh, okay. All righty. Okay. <laughs> he's embraced my, uh, my mishap. Um, yeah, I mean... Or do they draft? De- no, they probably don't draft Devin Bush at ten. Vic, that wasn't Vic's guy at all. No, I don't know. I mean, do they just draft Drew at ten? That's three years ago. That changes everything. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, boy. Does Case Keenum have a great season last year because he has a good weapon in George Kittle? I don't know. Would Would Kittle have been able to help him avoid those interceptions to tight ends down the seam? Would Maybe. he have? T- would Kittle have taken some of those away, or would? Kittle's I mean, presence was, have, was, have led to him forcing the ball down the seam even more and he, led to even more picks. He was targeting Brian Parker instead of George Kittle. Maybe oh the worst boy. tight end in the NFL oh versus the best boy. tight end in the NFL. Oh, boy. When they could have had him. Oh, It's interesting to, to ponder this for a moment because at 20, let's say they still trade down. The two offensive linemen they were looking at in that range were Garrett Bradbury and Chris Lindstrom. And Bradbury went 18 to the Vikings, and Lindstrom went 14 to the Falcons. So what would they have done? I think it's possible they could have been sitting there at 20 and traded down yet again Oof. and gotten more picks. Mm. It worked out perfectly this yes. last draft, so I'm glad it happened But that maybe way. trading down means you're trading down to, say, 27 or 28 and— uh, Maybe you say, okay, we we picked up an extra second-round pick here as part of this. Let's go ahead and take Drew Locke right now. Then maybe you have the fifth-year option on Drew Locke. It's true. Yep, yep. From Viva Las Bronco, first-time subscriber. Welcome. Thank we you. We got him. Thanks for all your hard work that you three put into this. For my first question, why are the coaches so high on Patrick Morris? Uh, why? What is it they see in him to possibly be the starting center for 2020 PS Happy Bladed Nutella Day? Mike Munchak had a year with him. Everyone just trusts anything that Mike Munchak says. And why shouldn't you? Exactly. And he's also a very honest man. <laughs> yep. So I that that's exactly why. Next one coming in from Elroy Jetson. Hi, guys. Got a few things for you. One, dang it, Mace. I ended <laughs> up getting a box of blueberry Pop-Tarts after they were discussed, and I liked them. Two, my wife and I are also fans of... M- Mobituaries. Mobituaries. If you haven't heard it, try Mike Rose Pod. Not sports-related, but amazing fun. I've heard a couple of people also recommend Mike Rowe's podcast. Isn't that the guy who did Dirty Jobs? Yes. Yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. Three. Still hanging around, huh? Yep. yep. Three for Mr. B and Drew. Four, the archery team I coached had four people shoot last Saturday. 
My three girls finished fifth, seventh, and tenth in girls' elementary. And my one boy that finished shot seventh in boys' elementary. Congratulations. Congratulations. Nice. Working Five, our, way up. our whole team shoots at a tournament this weekend. Wish us luck as we try our first full tournament. You got Good this. Luck. Go get a dub. You got the DNVR fan behind you. Um, six, the only animal I'd ever consider taping to a light post is my wife's dog. Jeez. She affectionately calls him a jerk Russell Terrier. I can't breathe without being barked at most days. Yeah, well, but the, the barking is sometimes that dog just wants your attention. Just says, hey, here I am. Uh, also, You're, just don't tape any no. animals to light posts. Yeah, no. <laughs> tape like posters and that's it. Seven for John, I guess. Eight. After all that, I want to say thanks for the fun content. It makes my daily grind tolerable, Larry. Thank you, Larry. Appreciate it. Welcome. Thank you, Larry. Love you. And the last one here is from Carpaccio Chris. How about a duo of Derek Henry and Philip Lindsay? Ah, hell, I'm daydreaming. Or maybe I stopped by the green solution. I mean, I'd freaking love it. That'd be amazing. How much would you be willing to pay Derek Henry on a per year basis? This year? With, like, all the money the Broncos have? We should be I mean, he's probably, someone's going to pay him, what, $12 million a year? If he hit the open market, I think he'd get fifteen. Ooh, I, don't, I would pay him 12. I can't do I'd 15 a year 12. for him. I do 12. With all the space you have? Yeah. You might as well take a chance. Talk about giving Drew help, giving your offensive line help. What level of guarantee do you want, though? I, is it a type of contract where you say, okay, Derrick Henry, we're going to give you 48 over 4, but we're going to guarantee, say, 28? You could try that. It's just you're not going to end up getting him. Someone's going to yeah. back it up. Yeah. yeah. Someone's going to guarantee year three and year four. I think that's the problem. But here's – I wouldn't – with Derrick Henry, I'm not worried about guarantees. You can really guarantee him whatever you want. That's a guy. He's – if any – if if one running back's not going to get hurt, it's going to be him. Like, I understand the don't play – don't pay running backs big contracts thing. And maybe he does slow down after his first two years. I think those first two years would end up being worth what you paid him. And it's just one it, – it would be so fun. And it's almost like – you just guarantee now that you have a pretty solid running game at the worst. At the worst, right. Yep. And imagine just beating teams down and then handing the ball to Philip Lindsay. Yep. It looked good for the Titans for a little bit. Well, the Titans actually used that formula to beat the Chiefs or to beat the Chiefs earlier in the season. Yep. Yeah. It'd be fun, and that's why I'm on board with it. I'm here for the fun. And we're on board with it because it's a good idea and that's why the Titans aren't gonna let him go. <laughs> yep. Always do what your opponent doesn't want you to do. That came up multiple times in the Super Bowl. Yep. Yep. <laughs> but you have to be good enough and versatile enough to do what your opponents don't want you to do, to be able to attack the weakness. And unfortunately, that's the genius of the Patriots over the years is that they they have such specific roles for guys and they have such a diverse attack that a lot of their success is predicated on being chameleons and doing on a week-to-week basis exactly what their foe doesn't want them to do. Yep. I completely agree. And you also have to have the trust in your players because I guarantee you Andy Reid didn't want Kyle Shanahan to try to go score a touchdown at the end of the half, but (laughs) Kyle didn't want to do it. By the way, before we go, Ryan, I want to ask you this because you being a CU guy, if LaVisca went to the Patriots, would your heart break a little bit? Uh, yes, for LaVisca, because the Patriots are about to suck for a long time. <laughs> but at the same time, it is a team that has the kind of minds that would use him properly. 
No, yeah. I mean, if they got like Andy Dalton or something as their quarterback and they had LaVisca, they'd find a way to make him very useful. Where's and the worst place for him to go? A play, which like, team? Like the worst in terms of your view. Which team has the, the least Raiders. imaginative offensive mind? Oh, in the NFL? but he's saying like for me, which is the worst. Oh, right. okay. The Raiders. So the best place for him. The best. You think the Raiders is the best place for him? No, or no that's kind of what I'm asking. What right. is the best place right. for him? Uh, there's multiple. Anywhere that has a great quarterback. I about swap out Sammy Watkins for LaVisca. Yeah, that's actually way That would actually be really – I hate to say it. That's but probably the best best scenario for him, worst scenario for me. <laughs> yeah. Philadelphia would be a good scenario too. Yep, yep. and I'm on for board him. with that one. Yep. I always just imagine how he would look in the jersey, like the all-black Eagles jerseys. Oh, my God, he would look so dope. Is that why you think he'd be a good Raider? Well, I think that's why they would uh, – that's one of the reasons why it kills me because he would look so dope in the uniform. <laughs> um, like the Packers, eh. Right. He looks good in every uniform, but that one doesn't like showcase how dope he looks in a uniform. Right. Well, you yeah. said he has to go to a place with good quarterbacks. He'd, so. Yeah, he'd look good in the Packers be because good. I know Zach will disagree with me, but Aaron Rodgers would make him look good. Oh, my God. They would <laughs> just dominate. I'd be – look, I'd actually be happy for him and happy for the Packers if – LaVisca was in Green Bay. That would be I, I have a, a receiver mocked to Green Bay right now. It's Justin Jefferson from LSU. Yep. Good fit, but if LaVisca's there at 30, oh I don't man, think he's gonna be there. Be fun. <laughs> Just don't let him fall to 32 for the love of God. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think that's gonna wrap it up for us today, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Sorry we had to make cut cut this one short. I'm putting that in parentheses because it's still over an hour. Or in quotation marks because it's still over an hour. Uh, but we'll be back with you tomorrow on the DNVR Broncos podcast. It's getting me down, waiting up for you. Electric has been a part of the Denver community for over 35 years. Their reputation of being fairly priced, trustworthy, and dependable has allowed them to become one of the best Denver electrical contractor companies in the market. We believe Piper is the best because of their professionalism, because of their capability, because of their integrity, and because of the relationship we have built over the last year and a half with several of their key managers. That was Jim. He's been a customer of Piper Electric for over a year now and loves it so much that he recommends his own clients to them. Sometimes customers will 
will ask us if we know of somebody who can be their regular electrician where they could call for anything from a small job to something much larger, maybe a remodel. And so we certainly have preferred people to Piper and Piper to them. From residential, commercial and industrial, Piper Electric can handle all of your electrical needs. They've done actually everything from repairing a small wiring situation with a circuit breaker panel to adding additional circuits, adding parking lighting. So really, they have become a one-stop shop for all of our needs. If you call today and use the promo code BSN, you will get $25 off your next service call. That's 303-646-6765 or go to piperelectric.com.